morning, everyone. My name is Doc, and I'll be reading our scripture for today. So our scripture is coming from Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 20. If you guys can go ahead and turn to your Bibles or um, your phones. <laughs> All right, Mark chapter 4, I think, actually, sorry, I'm only reading verse 1 through 9. So uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. Jesus began to teach beside the lake again. Such a large crowd gathered that he climbed into a boat there on the lake. He sat in the boat while the whole crowd nearby was nearby on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. While teaching them, he said, listen to this. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some, scattering seed, some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it scorched the plants and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked the seeds and they produced nothing. Other seeds fell into good soil and bore fruit. Upon growing and increasing, the seed produced in one case a yield of 30 to 1, in another case a yield to six, of 60 to 1, and in another case a yield of 100 to 1. He said, whoever has ears to hear, uh, to listen, should pay attention. This is the word of the Lord. God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. So we are chugging along in our Mark series and here in Mark chapter 4. And Jesus, a couple observations, Jesus began to teach beside the lake again. And notice in this passage and, and the rest of Mark, the geography. Jesus has been around the lake, around water. And then he tells a parable about farming and soil. So creation, right? We, we often miss kind of the piece of creation um, in our passages, but it's there. And Jesus is almost like one, right, with creation because he, he goes on a boat and he speaks to the people who are on the shore. And the people have been crowding him. Um, and this is a motif that we've talked about before, that the crowds are large. And in this case, such a large crowd gathered that he climbed into the boat, onto the lake. And if any of you have been on a lake camping or fishing, and you can hear voices of people talking all the way across the lake, right? Because the sound travels. Um, and, you know, I said that because every pastor says that at some point or another. So Jesus had a natural megaphone when he was preaching to the people. So there's a factoid that's neither here or there. Um, but uh, so he's teaching it and he teaches many things to them. Um, and this is where in Mark, uh, we get introduced to parables, Jesus teaching of parables. And uh, in, in terms of parables, Mark, he only does it a, a few times, but in Matthew and Luke, there's more teaching uh, through parables from Jesus. And I'll get into that a bit, but I want to stop first and do a land acknowledgement. Do you know what November is? Anyone, 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 anyone? Yes, November is Native American Heritage Month. 
Um, and for many of you who may be at work or in your schools, you uh, people do land acknowledgments, but this is just a way to acknowledge that there are people who dwelt on this land and owned this land and was a part of this land before we even came here and uh, had land stolen. And so we're going to do a land acknowledgement and I'm going to tie some of this into our passage today. We respectfully acknowledge that our gathering is being held on the traditional lands of Snohomish, Snoqualmie, Duwamish, Skokomish, and Suquamish, and other Coast Salish tribes. Since time immemorial, immemorial, they have hunted, fished, gathered, and taken care of these lands. We respect their sovereignty, their right to self-determination, and honor their sacred spiritual connection with the land and water. We will strive to be honest about our past mistakes and bring about a future that includes their people, stories, and voices to form a more and just and equitable society. Amen. Amen. So Jesus begins to, to teach, and in verse 3, the phrase that sticks out to me is, listen, listen, right? And for you parents out there of younger children, how many times have you said, listen, listen? Uh, I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team, a bunch of nine-year-olds, and if you've been around nine-year-old girls, it's like herding cats sometimes. But this team, this particular team uh, only has one loss. They were, they've been undefeated and they've kind of been dominating people. But I'm, uh, I'm the assistant coach, so I've decided to invest some time in coaching um, the soccer team. Uh, but they have all have minds of their own. They're very independent. They're all outgoing and loud. And, and once they're all together, they're so excited. It's just very difficult to do drills and have them do, you know, go between these cones, shoot in this way, work together, and it's just chaotic. And almost every time the head coach and me were saying, listen, just listen, just listen. And my daughter's the worst. She's like, no. And I'm like, ah. She's like, who are you, the coach? I'm like, yes, you're fired. <laughs> but you know, it's not just kids, right? It's not just uh, nine-year-old soccer players, but we live, we are a part of a culture um, that doesn't listen very well. Like, I know for me, I, half the time I'm in my own thoughts or I'm kind of absorbing media um, or looking at all the, look at the bright lights, but really listening to people really hearing their stories when, you know, people are always putting hints out there, whether it's at work, you know, living your daily life, you'll be like, how are you doing? Well, you know, okay. But there'll be like a downturn in their voice. And if you're listening close enough, you might be like, they're not really having a good day. Maybe there's something going on in there. And maybe, what can I do to kind of take that extra step and say, Really? Are you having a good day? What's going on? Right? And a lot of times, if you ask that extra question, people uh, are free to share. They'll, they'll share and they'll share more. Maybe you're like, I'm busy, I don't want to listen. Um, but I think we should listen. 
more and train ourselves uh, to open our hearts and to open our ears and uh, allow people's lives to brush up against our own lives. Are you with me? And um, I know in my life, even in my family, right, in my, my nuclear home, stuff goes on all the time that I miss, right? And dynamics are happening. You know, my daughter and my son are saying things. My wife is saying things to me. Um, my wife says details to me multiple times just so I'll, like, be sure to get it. And sometimes it goes in and goes out, and I'm like, what did they just say? Right? And um, because a lot of times I have my earbuds in or some sort of music going or another piece of media while working, and I get distracted. And we all live in a world of distraction, but I think this prevents us from, one, really taking in, really listening to people, and two, being more open-hearted in our own lives, uh, more willing to share our lives with other people. And uh, what would it look like if we, as a body, as a community, uh, did a revolution of listening and speaking to one another on deeper levels, right? Would, would there be less loneliness, right? Would there be less uh, feelings of being outside? Would there be less FOMO, fear of missing out? Would people be encouraged more by our words? Would we uh, be able to speak words of life into other people and hear words of life from other people because we shared something and they connected with it and they had wisdom to offer us in that moment. And so there's, there is benefit and there's fruit from living a life that is open. And I know it's scary, right? One, you may feel like a burden. No one has time for me to open up my life to them. I don't have time to listen to someone open up their life. Or if I open up my life or myself, uh, what would people think about me? Right? Do they think I'm crazy? Do they think I'm silly? Do they think I'm self-absorbed? Right? And so, or like the fear of intimacy in general. Like I only have, like I have my children, my family, and maybe my parents I got to deal with. I don't have enough time for more relationships, right? It's just, this, this is my set amount. But what would happen if we opened ourselves to one another? And I think what would happen is we would become more deeply rooted, right? right? Our, if you think of roots as these little fingers and tendrils going deep down into the soil, deeper to get more nutrients, to get more water, to get more sustenance and life from the ground. And the deeper the roots go, not only is there access to more resources and more life, but because the roots are going deep, there's more stability and foundation for what? The stuff above to get bigger and bigger and to grow more and more. The more that we are open, the more that we listen, uh, the more nutrients we get, the more fulfillment, the more life we get, and the, the greater that we grow, right? The bigger that we grow. Are you with me, church?
So Jesus is saying, listen to this, right? And some of this is coming out of that motif, right? The crowds are following him, and some of the people who are following him aren't really interested in what Jesus has to say or having a deep relationship with Jesus or interested in Jesus himself. Like, what's going on in his mind? Is he hungry? Is he thirsty? Does he, is he lonely, right? Most of the people are looking for what Jesus can do for them. Heal me, heal me, fix me. I'm hurting, I need you, right? And so they're trying to get close to Jesus for what he can do for him. And this isn't altogether wrong, right? We're all sick people. We all need Jesus. And Jesus, he doesn't like say, go away. I mean, sometimes he goes to a solitary place to rest, right? But he has compassion. He does heal the masses. The masses come and he has something for the masses, is willing to literally feed the masses. But at the same time, right, Jesus also wants more for people. I want, come, follow me. I'm coming this way, come, right? And he's trying to draw more and more people to what he's actually doing or what, who he is, what his mission or uh, purpose in the world is and wanting to uh, offer the Jesus way, his way uh, to disciples. And so he also, you will see, Uh, In this passage, too, bring disciples who are closer to him, followers who are closer to them, and give them more information or more teaching. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom. And in this passage, right, he draws people to him. They ask a question, what are you talking about, Jesus? Right? And he says, he explains the parable quite directly and literally to them more. So the people who follow, are curious, ask the question, and listen are the ones who get more of the story or more of the the meat of the story. And so verse 3, listen to this. And then he ends, as Dax read in verse 9, he said, whoever has ears, what? To listen should pay attention. Whoever, Whoever has ears to listen should pay attention. And, um, Parables. Why does Jesus speak in parables? Oh, that's a rhetorical question. Why does Jesus speak in parables? Right? I think parables, there's two elements in parables which I think are effective forms of teaching and communication, right? And apprenticeship. And one is they're stories, right? If I sat up here and gave you a bulletproof points, this, this, this. It might be educational, right? But you guys want the stories, right? No? <laughs> Do I tell too many times? You want stories because stories help us to imagine a world where whatever I'm t- Jesus is talking about can come into existence, right? Stories allow us to step into the characters or step into a context or step into whatever the extended metaphor is in order to place ourselves in that story and say, oh, I, I, uh, uh, what's the word? I'm missing it. I identify with that. Yes, thank you, Margarita. I identify with that person or I def- identify with 
uh, being that way. And then we can, it's an, in a non-defensive way, non-threatening way, we can receive the teaching after we've ex- allowed ourselves to explore the story. That's what story does. It, it puts us off guard, or we're not on guard when we receive a story. The other thing uh, I think parables are about and stories are about is that it's less about kind of like an instruction manual. This is how you should live. This is what you should do. But a story conveys culture. A story conveys ethos, right? This is a farmer, right? And many of the people there may have understood, may have been farmers, and understood kind of the analogy of the sower and the seed and different soils and when to plant and when planting is successful and when planting is unfruitful. And so there's a context, uh, but it also, it's not like Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is a fruity pancake, right? What, a fruity pancake? That's so weird. It's the kingdom of God is ba 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 You get it? Yes. And if you don't get it, ask me. And if you ask me, I'll tell you more, and I'll give you more, and unveil more and more. And that's what it means to what? Be an active listener, be an active follower, begin to take on more of what it means to follow Jesus and be a part of the kingdom of God. Are you with me, church? We know when people aren't listening to us, right? They say, "Uh uh-huh, at the wrong time. You're like sharing, you're like talking, they're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Wait a second, I just asked you a question. What, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? And you said, "Uh uh-huh. You're not listening to me! Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, what, uh, there was one, uh, I think it was a professor or something, uh, in a pastoral kind of pastoral class in seminary. And he's like, sometimes you have to visually, you know, some of you are very stoic, or some of you have non-affect, or some of you even look mean. So you have to, you have to put effort into having the pastoral face when people share with you. And this, this matters because it, it shows them that you love them. So he's like, raise your eyebrows. And I'm like, this is as big as my eyebrows and eyes go, right? Like, raise your eyebrows. And like, mm-hmm. look, look them straight in the eye. Yes, yes. You know, reflect back to them what they just said. So you're saying, right? And then summarize what they're saying. This active listening so they feel loved and cared for and listened to. And, and uh, sometimes it's just fake. Sometimes uh, we're just like, Mm-hmm. So you're saying, yeah, mm-hmm, and your mind might be wandering. I remember my dad is a pastor. I remember a time when he was on the phone listening, pastoring to someone who needed help, and all of a sudden I hear this snoring, and he's on the phone, and he's falling asleep, and he's snoring, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, wake up. They're going to find out, <laughs> and it's going to ruin everything you told them. Listening, active listening is more than just saying uh-huh with our spirits. More than just saying uh-huh and giving lip service. It's actually getting past the inertia of stillness and spiritual laziness and like making that effort to move forward, to move towards truth, to move towards the words of life. Are you with me, church? 
She listening. <laughs> and that's why I say, are you with me, church? To make sure people are actively listening, right? Um, <laughs> so, verse 10, when they were alone, the people around Jesus, so there's the 12, but there's also other people, right? The people around Jesus, along with the 12, asked him about the parables, right? It's been going on in their mind. Maybe they're like, Jesus, he's so poetic. I don't get him. He always tells these metaphors and goes off on these stories, but I, need, I do need the bullet points. I need it like straightforward. What are you talking about? And Jesus said to them, the secret of God's kingdom has been given to you. <gasps> what is the secret Right? Is he saying, like, you guys are like this elite, you know, group of people, my elite, you know, special forces followers. So I'm going to give you the secret. Maybe, maybe. I always felt jealous when I read this part, like, I'm the outside of the secret group. He, he said to them, the secret of God's kingdom has been given to you. But to those who are outside, everything comes in parables, right? So there's this element that parables um, veil, right? Veil certain meanings that you can't just get it pass by, right? And if you're not really into it, you probably won't see it, right? It's parables are Jesus playing hard to get with the truth. Right? Like, I'm not going to just give it to you. Right? Then it'll be what? If I give it to you, then it's cheap. Right? So it's cheapened. But I need, you need some, like, you need to take a step. And I think the step that I see with these followers and, and the people around Jesus is they've been wondering. And, and they've probably been, like, nudging each other and saying, you ask them. You ask them. Like, I don't want to be the stupid one, right? You, you, you teachers all the time say, there's no dumb questions, right? But they're lying. There really are dumb questions. I know this because I've asked them. And people have asked me dumb questions, and I've been annoyed. There really are dumb questions. Teachers just say that. I don't know why teachers say that. But um, there are dumb questions. So they're, they're scared. They're nudging. They're, they're wondering. They don't quite get it. But they're like, someone ask them. What does this mean? And so one of the key components of being one who has access to the secret of the kingdom of God, I think, is just pushing forward and taking the next step and saying, God, what do you mean? Jesus, what do you mean? The question, right, when we ask questions, it's the first step towards listening, and it's the first step of our heart opening up with a willingness to learn, right? And this is very hard for me as well because I'm a know-it-all and I'm a, you know, I'm a recovering mansplainer, right? And when people instruct me or tell me, and you know, like it's hard to not say, be honest. When someone tells you, oh, you should do it this way, and it's something you already know, right? How do you not say, I know? Right? Try the discipline of going, 
of pretending like they, did, they offered you something well. It's a, it's a hard discipline, right? Oh, thanks. I didn't know. Right, thanks for telling me that. Oh, I'll, I'll take that and can't count. Thank you. No way. I'm like, I know. Even as a minister, as a pastor, right? There's no thing under the sun that we haven't thought about or tried or any churches have thought about or tried. And when people come with this new idea, we can reach out in a new way to new people. Have you ever thought of this, Pastor Dave? No, I'm, I, I've never thought about that. We should, right? I, I, you know, we want to empower you and listen, and listen to you. But inside you're like, oh no, don't you think I thought of that? Just being honest. <laughs> uh, but you can come to us with new ideas. And not pushing, I'm not pushing you away. I'm not thinking that inside. I'm just saying, uh-huh, yeah. Um, shoot, mistake. Um, but when they, uh, so they ask uh, Jesus, this is the secret kingdom. This is so that, I, I tell you parables, this is so that they can look and see but have no insight, and they can hear but not understand. Otherwise, they might turn their lives around and be forgiven. That's a weird one, right? That's kind of like the Old Testament, God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would, you know, resist the Israelites. Like, is it Pharaoh's fault that his heart was hardened? Right? That's not fair. And so, what is Jesus talking about? He, he tells an imperishable so that some people won't understand and, won't, and their hearts will be hardened. What, what's happening? Like, why is it hidden? And I think it has to do with human nature once again, right? There are people, I bet, who went to Jesus, got their, the burn on their hand healed, and took off. There are people in the crowd, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who are actually there taking notes on Jesus' every word. But they're taking notes, not because they're like receiving, but they're taking notes so that they can trap him and right. saying something wrong or blasphemous so they can you know, go after him later. What else is out there? There are people who, you know, I'm coming because my friends are coming. Right? There's, there, this is the hype. This, Jesus is trending. Look at this. The crowd. This is amazing. Right? I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I can't wait for the live action. Right? Of Little Mermaid. Um, <laughs> they're there just because of the hype. But when, when the lights shut down, right, and the music is over, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and, I, and we simply come, <laughs> there is no heart of worship. When the hype is away, where are the people, right? It's like the prodigal son, when all the money ran out, where were his friends? And so things are hidden or things are told in parables 
because, right? God has the power and he demonstrates power to heal us, to lift us up, to give us what we need, to provide and give us abundance. But he also said to the man, pick up your pallet and walk after he healed him. He didn't pick him up and say, see, you can walk. He said, in order for you to experience the miracle that you've experienced, you need to actually do what you haven't been able to do, which is stand up and walk. Yeah, right? So God offers us infinite power. He does infinite amount of work. And our small work, right, is to like step forward, pick up our pallet and walk, say yes, ask a question, right? Just come to church, right? I haven't been to church for 30 years. Just wake up. Fall back really helped, right? Get the extra hour. You can come, right? Our small effort, as, as hard as it may feel, as burdensome as it might be, right, allows for God, for Jesus to be like, okay, now let me show you what I've got for you, right? You take a step towards me, and I take a step towards you. It's a dance, right? And, and our effort is that dance. And I wonder what Jesus saw on people's faces. Like, did Jesus see nodding faces or like people saying, amen, preach. I wonder. And then I want to say to Jesus, it's nothing like this generation of church. I've been in ministry, what, how long have I been? <laughs> almost, uh, what, what is this, 11? Yeah, almost 20 years, right, 20, 20 plus years. Um, and in campus ministry, and I've spoken a lot. And I, you, I'm like, I'll set myself on fire to make everyone be on fire, right? I'll tell jokes until like kingdom come just to get a laugh. But this generation, the college students, blank faces, right? Blank faces. Doesn't always mean your facial expressions or your body movements don't always mean what's going on inside. I know that. I know because I hear from you. I get your emails. Like I hear from you. I know stuff is going on inside. But I just want to say, Jesus, right? What kind of soil do we have out here? Like, can you tell me? Can you do some soil exegesis, right? By looking at the faces of the people or when we sing and give praise, like, are people, do you feel like people are praising God? Right? And giving their lives to you with passion. When, when we hear people pray, are they, what does it seem like? What does it look like? And I think Jesus is saying, come closer, right? Move your body. Ask a question. Act like it matters. Um, so he talks about the soil, and I, I have the pictures there. There's, well, first of all, the sower, who's the soil? Oh, we know the seed, right? The seed is the word of God. We don't necessarily know who the sower is. I mean, 
Some people say it's God, it's Jesus spreading the gospel, spreading. If the seed is the word of God or gospel or however you want to put it, then the sower is God, right? Or another way to look at it is y'all are the sowers, right? Those who profess faith in Jesus Christ are the sowers who are being called, right, to spread the word. Another way to look at it, though, is we are the soil, right? The soil represents your heart and where your heart is when you listen to the word, when you receive Jesus, right? And that's a good one. That'll preach, right? Like there's some people, even if they're in the church, who are like the rocky path, right? No matter what you say, or what's said to them, or it's gonna be like devil's advocate. Like it's like no, hard no, criticism, right? There's I'm not gonna take that. And it's kinda of like, why are you at church? <laughs> is it cause your spouses go? Is it cause you you feel like you need it for your kids? Is it because you have some something guilty, right? I should go to church, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but, but what, what really is going on with your heart? Is it rocky? Like, there's nothing that can be said. There's nothing that can be taught that I won't disagree with, I won't criticize, and I won't receive. And that's, I think, that's like the rock or the, the path, which has packed. I think of, you know, cobblestone, just packed down rock so the seeds don't even get into the ground and the birds just pick them off, right? And then there's the rocky soil where there's some soil, but it's mixed in with rock, probably like my front yard, right? There's rock and there's dirt. Um, and the, the seeds fall in there and they take root, but because of the rock, the roots can't go deep. So it's very shallow. And so when it gets really hot, the sun burns like the, the leafy part just wilts, right? And there's not enough moisture coming in and nutrients coming in to give, you know, the green stuff strength and power. I mean, then there's the thorns. And Jesus says, then the worries of life, anxieties, right? The other things that we put our mind to and our life to, they get a hold and they choke the plant out. It can't grow anymore because maybe, yeah, we, li- we heard it and there was a time when we're like, Jesus, yes. And then career, money, relationships, kids, it just all came down and it just kind of choked things out. I- I'm not here to guilt anyone. I'm just saying what Jesus said, <laughs> Right? And it's up to us to be honest and come to that, right? What soil am I right now or have I been? What is the state of my soil right now? Um, And then there's good soil, like all of us, right? Uh, (laughs) There's good soil and we're ready. It's like we're tryhards and we're receiving the word. Um, I'm so cynical. It's like, there's no good soil. Uh, 
good soil, and it, you know, receives the word, and the word uh, gives fruit. And notice the fruit, right? What were the numbers? 10 to 1, 30 to 1, 60 to 1, or 100 to 1? 30 to 1, 60 to 1, 100 to 1? Thanks. Yeah, close enough. But those, what those numbers tell me is they're, they're exponential, right? So you math geniuses out there, times 10, times 6, times 10, whatever. Um, but that's what, the kingdom, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. When God is worked, there's a dynamic power that's exponential. It's not just one seed gives one fruit. One seed gives one plant. It's one seed multiplies somehow to make more, right? And that's how the kingdom of God works. You don't get it. No, so no one can say, this is the process by which growth happened in, in this place, right? Because it's blowing up. It's, it's like viral. It's gone viral, right? And that's the good soil. But I want to take a look at it this another way um, as well. First of all, the sower, the sower spreads the seed indiscriminately, right? It's like he doesn't avoid the path, or maybe the path is along the field and there's a section of rocky soil, and he's just like boom, 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 boom. Boom, indiscriminate. That means the seed goes out to everything, to everywhere, to everyone. And if we, you know, that's good news. If the sower is God, that means God shows no partiality. God wants the whole world to know him and experience his love, right? So he'll spread that love indiscriminately, right? There's no discrimination in God's love. Right? If we are the sowers, I think there's also deep meaning, right? It means no matter what we think, as we're spreading the word or inviting people or telling people about Jesus or being witnesses or sharing our testimony, it doesn't matter what, you, what soil you think that person has, Right? That person may have the meanest face, right? And they're like atheist and like, right? In terms of sharing faith, they're like the most cynical person. And you're like, I'm not throwing my seed there. <laughs> I'm not going there. That's, that's like rock hard, right? It's good news that our job is not to control or anticipate or account for what we think people's soils are, right? Our job is to go, whoo, share my life, share my life. You, I'm gonna rub up on you, right? Share, <laughs> share, 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 indiscriminately, share. You never know because you know why? Because God has power and God has been work at work in the ground, in the soil of people long before you got there. Amen? Amen? We don't control how people receive messages. We just give our message. And God has been wor at work in the soul. You don't know. You cannot know. And it's God's power. And you'll see in other parables how God says, God, we don't know. We plant it and we go to sleep. And all of a sudden there's this plant. It's God who does the growing. 
right? And the tending and the fertilizing. We just, we just give it out. Amen? Yes. And that, that should give us all confidence. Because when, we, when we're afraid and we're like, oh, man, this is the hardest person to love. I'm just going to stay away from that. Right? Chances are, that's probably the best place to go first. If you want to experience the glory of God and the miracle of God working in someone. Right? That's our homework. Go, think about the hardest person to interact with for you in your work or wherever you're at. And in some way, share Jesus' love with them this week. Woo! Right? Oh, rejection! Ah, embarrassment! Right? And then... Another way I look at this, and this is tied in with indigenous people's indigenous heritage, heritage month, <laughs> people's heritage month, and uh, and it has to do like with the land acknowledgement, right? When we do a land acknowledgement, we're saying that there were people who lived on this land, fished this land, hunted this land. Like, oh, we're rooted in this land, hunted on this land way before we even got here, right? And built our concrete paradise. Way before. And each of us, I mentioned that I went to Elohe Farms, which is a, a Randy, Randy Woodley's uh, and Edith Woodley's farm, and they're native. And they, they do a farm and they bring people in and kind of give a Native American theology and theology. But he mentions, like, all of us are indigenous to somewhere, right? Me, it would be somewhere in Korea, right? That's where my, you know, 23andMe says, I am, I am sourced from Korea somewhere. That's my native land, right? So unless you were like native, native here, we're all settlers, right? But we're all indigenous to somewhere. But as settlers, the temptation for our, our disposition is to extract, right? As we settle, we want to survive, we want resources. So think of what's the blue people? Avatar, right? The people, the miners who are coming to extract the land, but they're not, actually the hair doesn't connect to the land. Right? And that's what we're talking about. There's because we do not listen, because we are consumers, because we seek to extract, we don't go deep. We're not, we don't go deep into the land. Right? But the land has so much more. And I and I, I shared there at my time there as a church planter, we talk about all the time. I'm gonna go into Seattle and plant a multi-ethnic urban church, right? And it's gonna be awesome. I don't know anything about the history about that place or the people in that place or the people who were in this place, but hey, God's given me a calling and a vision. I'm going to plant my seed right, right there. And this is, how, you know, this is just our mentality, like in the West and, you know, con consumerism. But we don't think about the land is a part of God's creation it's the earth, it's the soil, right? It's where fruit comes out of. 
And actually, the land is broken and cursed. Right? If you read in Genesis, the land, you know, Adam and Eve sinned and the, the land was cursed. Right? And then we had to toil. We have to toil the land now. And Cain and Abel, that first murder, right? Cain kills Abel, and what happens? His blood soaks into the dirt, right? And the land becomes, is now filled with that hatred. And to know, what does it look like to, as a community, as a nation, to actually look at our history and say, these buildings, this society that we've built on, this land, it's actually built on blood-soaked dirt, right? Out of violence and thievery. <laughs> and, right? In one hand, it's like, what do we do? That's overwhelming. And then another hand, it, it means that we just, we have to open our eyes, right? To the soil and, and do things like pray before we do things in a place, in a neighborhood, right? Or like talk to people around us before we, figure, we try to figure out what outreach or need they have, right? It's, it means like getting in the soil, right? And smelling it. How many of you remember, I'm gonna close with this, the movie Twister, the tornado one, right? They're chasing their tornado twisters and the, you know, there's this couple who split up, and one, one guy's, you know, the natural tornado chaser. Like, he can smell the air and smell the dirt, and he's like, a, a tornado is coming, right? Then another group has all these, like, computer things and reading, like, the air pressure and the precipitation, and they use all this computer stuff, right? And um, we need to be people that can stoop down, pick up that dirt, let it run through our fingers, smell it, and be like, I know, right? I know. And, and be deeper. So I'm going to read to us our Zara verse, Renew's foundational verse. But I will read more in context, more of it. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is Jesus, what Jesus said in his inauguration. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Let us be a planting of God for the display of his splendor. 
and be deep, deeply rooted in the soil and to have our own hearts be open um, as fertile soil and receive God's word, the seeds that he wants to plant in you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that you are constantly offering to us. And we know that your word is more than static words on a piece of paper, but your word is living, a two-edged sword, and it pierces our souls and our hearts. And I pray that we can receive that into our hearts. Whatever that means, will you convict us and will you plant uh, something new in our hearts and uh, grow something that's fruitful? And as we go out from this place as ambassadors of your word, as ambassadors of your love, throwing seed out there to our neighbors and our friends, I pray, um, pray against fear, uh, the fear of rejection or the just the fear that people won't receive, um, that you, um, you have their soil, the soil of their hearts in your hands, and that we can just put it out there, put ourselves out there in your name. Amen. <laughs>